Are you a CrossFit coach or maybe a box owner looking to learn more about nutrition? You want to help support the athletes that come to your box, maybe have some one-on-one clients. And we all know nutrition is the foundation. We all talk about the theoretical hierarchy of the development of an athlete. And nutrition is at the base. It's like building a house. You can't build the attic first. You can't worry about performance and sport without working on the foundation. And that's what nutrition is. So maybe you're a coach, maybe you're a box owner, maybe you're just an athlete looking to potentially earn a little more income, develop a new income stream as a nutrition coach. Well, you could check out the Own Your Eating Certificate course. We review fundamental nutrition principles, as well as teaching you how to implement flexible eating, that's macro counting, and assist others with their tracking of macros. The cool thing about it is you're going to learn so much for yourself. Even if you didn't want to coach anyone else, but you simply wanted to learn more about tracking macros, you will get so much out of this course. It'll be the last thing you ever have to read, study, purchase, because you're going to get so much information. As well as sharing nutrition experience with you, Own Your Eating will also teach you how to coach others so that you can really make a difference with the people in your community and your lives. Maybe you need to finally get your mom to track macros. Maybe it's your best friend. Maybe you you put on the quarantine 15 and you're looking to just lose a few LBs, a few pounds yourself. This will teach you all of that. And the cool thing about macros, the cool thing about the way in which we at On Your Eating teach you is it's really sustainable. The business setup and marketing strategies are also included. So if you do really want to make this a side deal or a side hustle, You'll, you'll have all the tools you'll ever need to do. And in addition to that, if you're a level three CrossFit coach, you can earn CEUs to help you revalidate. And we also give CEUs for NASM as well as AFA. So you can check that out. For me, every few years, I need to re-up my L4, you know, no big deal, L4 coach, but this will help you do it. So If you're interested in learning more about the Own Your Eating Certificate course, you can go to courses.ownyoureating.com. Or if you just go to ownyoureating.com, right up in the header there, it says become a coach. You can click on that. And with the code BESTHOUR, that's B-E-S-T-H-O-U-R, BESTHOUR, you'll get 15% off. Go check it out now. I was the one, along with Roz, who helped put this all together. So... I really understand that if you have questions for me about it, of course, you can reach out, but I really believe in it. I've put hundreds of people through this course. It's the way I learned how to track macros. It's the way I've been tracking macros for over five years, and I think you will absolutely love it. So go check it out again, courses.ownyoureating.com, and use that code BESTHOUR for 15% off. All right. Based on the recommendation of two people I highly respect, Chuck Bennington and Dr. Nathan Jenkins, we have a special guest today. We have Andrew Zaro, also Drew Zaro, but not Andy Zaro. Correct. No Andy. Is that, is that because when you were a kid you used to get yelled at? No, I don't know. I don't think it's uh, – it's just never been a name that's been thrown out there for me. So it's always been one or the other, I guess. Well, you, you know, you're part of the gymnastics seminar team with Tucker and and Chuck and Tony that you mentioned, and you know, I'm part of the level one, level two staff, and we do registration. And whenever 
people come up to register, I always look at their name and for the guys, like if it's a William or Rob and Andrew, I always go like, hey, do you want uh, Robbie on your name tag? <laughs> like I always try to find like the little kids version of their name and they're always <laughs> like, no, like Billy. I'll be like, you want Billy? Yeah. That and um, how it is for me probably andy i think i attribute that to just like a little kid so i just like i don't know it's probably yeah, it. what about um andy bernard from the office that's true, that's true. nardog yeah no, <laughs> nardog. <laughs> I love it. actually i actually have a few people that call me nardog that's actually funny well but that's for not from the andy that's from the bernard that's true you try to get away from the Andy as much as you can. <laughs> I, I, I like it hey anybody that has an understands an office reference Fast oh, yeah. friends, fast friends with. So, you know, you're, you're part of the gymnastics seminar team, which is, I think, part of why Chuck mentioned you. He also mentioned, you know, your financial advisor, which is also something that Nathan recommended. And, you know, before we hit record, we were saying there's, there's quite a bit of parallels in the finance and, and the fitness space. Right. And I also think another thing to discuss is that so many box owners and coaches do this out of passion that they forget like, Hey, I got to make money and I should probably, you know, not like Billy Madison, you know, I keep it on. No, actually it wasn't Billy Madison. It's from the wedding singer. Whereas like, I have a little bit of money. I keep it in a piggy bank on top of my fridge. <laughs> like I'll, I, I should probably be invested in, I mean, this is probably one of the best times ever to invest. Yeah. So, so I, I want to hear all about that. I want to get some, some insider trading stuff going on on today's show, some, <laughs> stock, some stock tips. Um, but what, what would you rather have more of fitness or wealth? Oh, I think fitness, um, wealth is one of those things that I think it can be varied. I think I'd rather have a wealth of fitness and a wealth of money. Um, I think you can do a lot more with fitness, um, uh, obviously elongate your life. Um, but you can't also walk into just accumulating a bunch of fitness randomly. You can do that with money. You can do that with property and cars and, and whatever else it is. But I think with fitness, the one thing that I love about it is you have to earn it. Like you don't just get it. You don't wake up. There's no fast track for it. Um, surely you can be genetically gifted to maybe have a, um, a faster route to achieve it. But um, when it comes to being, you know, we talk about the fitness wellness, sickness, the, a sickness continuum, it's, you know, you have to earn it. You don't just get a boost. You don't get a free pass. You can't, you know, use nepotism to slide your way to the top of the list. It's every single thing you do in and outside the gym has an impact on, you know, the fitness and wellness. I think that's super important to me. Yeah. I don't know if I agree with you on that, but I mean, there's no right or wrong answer. That's the beauty of it. Right. <laughs> um, so one of my mentors who happens to be my financial planner, he, you know, he used to kind of say like, hey, you have to define wealth because wealth means something different to everybody. So what does that mean to you when we say wealth? And and, and how do you try to ask your clients to give you that understanding? Because I'm sure you have to understand their end goal in mind when it comes to investing and, and creating sure. a portfolio. No different than really coaching someone and saying, hey, do you want to you want to take this fast route that might give you a really quick surge, sure. but by the way, you might get hurt and lose it all. Right. Isn't yep. that kind of yeah, like investing? It really is. There's, there's, um, understanding someone's ability to take on risk, um, is something important, I think in the, in the coaching space, but also the, um, the financial space, uh, a question that I, I and so I'm, you know, early, fairly early on in my career as a financial advisor. Um, and, and one thing that I did 
is, and what I do still is when I find advisors that are very good at what they do, I ask them, what does your initial conversation look like with new clients? Um, and I've gleaned a lot of really good conversation, uh, conversation starters and questions from those advisors. And, and a few that stand out to me, one more, most important to me is, you know, what is your relationship with money? Um, that is really a good indicator of someone's upbringing around dollars, around checks, around banking and things like that. And everyone has a vastly different exposure to it. Um, you know, you have people from urban settings that are mostly unbanked and they live their life paycheck to paycheck potentially. And, you know, cash is a thing and um, for, uh, you know, check advancements are a thing when they go to those, you know, shops so they can get their check cashed ASAP and, and get money. And then you have, you know, people in the suburbs that maybe are well off and inherited a lot of money. And that's a, obviously a much different relationship with, with money in general and what they appreciate and how they work for it and how they work to get more of it and put themselves in a better spot. Um, but for me, the definition of wealth, um, I think it's kind of all encompassing. It's not just dollars. Obviously when people say like, uh, you know, money doesn't solve everything, money definitely solves some things. Um, so let's not, let's not get confused there. Um, but I think there's a certain point at which, you know, the harder you work just to get, accumulate money, you're missing a whole lot of other things. So to me, it's like internal happiness, uh, being really connected with a, a, an important circle to you for everyone. That's probably a little bit different in terms of the size of the circle that's around them. But, you know, being wealthy um, for me is having a handful of people that I can lean on and trust and, and I can take guidance from them. They can take guidance from me and, and I can grow as a person. They can grow as a, as a person as well. Um, so it's very growth oriented in terms of like a mindset. Um, yeah, sure. I would love to make more dollars next year than I'm making this year. Uh, but I would also like to kind of explore myself um, and my abilities more next year than I did this year. Um, I think the doors that I opened for myself over the last few years, I couldn't have done by myself. Um, and I just think like, you know, what, what's in the future for me, but also while I'm doing all this, what can I do for those that are around me? Right. So I, how can I, how can I help lift people up that are around me that maybe, you know, don't have the exposure to the network that, you know, have, I've been lucky enough to build over my kind of financial advisor career, but also my, my time in the Marine Corps. Um, and, and to me, that's really wealth is, is doing everything that I can to be better, but also kind of bring those, those people up around me to, to kind of reach their potential as well. Yeah. I think wealth kind of gets lumped into this category and, and, you know, and associated with money all the time, but really wealth is far bigger than that. And, you know, like you said, uh, money, can't necessarily provide happiness, but it sure makes life a little bit easier. Sure does. Right when you sure when does. you when you have it. So, tell me about your your fitness journey here. You you spent 13 years active duty Marines, and I assume yeah. being in the Marines, you kind of are accidentally training all the time. Yeah. Um, and I grew up. I grew up playing the typical suburban sports: uh, soccer, basketball, baseball. Um, I took affinity to soccer, and I played that all the way through up up until college. Um, dropped all my classes, and within ten days of dropping my classes, I joined the Marine Corps and left for boot camp. So my whole family was absolutely shocked. But you know, during those three years, I was obviously exposed to uh, the physical gamut that comes with Marine Corps training. So anything from long hikes with a heavy pack to, you know, anything aquatic high intensity interval training. Uh, essentially that just turned into being CrossFit come 2010, 2012, somewhere in that window when I was exposed to it. 
Uh, but it was never anything different than what I was doing beforehand. It was all random. It was all varied. It was, um, it was different. A lot of running, maybe a lot of pull-ups. Um, during that period, I became a, a water survival instructor. So I, I just became very familiar with the pool. Swimming was, was something that I loved doing growing up, but never did it competitively um, and really learned how to swim better. Um, but I just realized I wanted to envelop that into my training a lot. And I still do that to this day. Um, you know, like I was, I was, um, tubing with my wife yeah. on Sunday and the water is freezing. And we were saying how water is such a great equalizer. Oh, it is. You know, and, and that, having had friends and spoken and listened to people that were in the seals, you know, that's, you know, primarily why they use it just to, I guess it kind of levels the playing field. How, yeah. how have you used it to better yourself? Like, what are some of the, obviously like just jump in and yeah. survive. Right. But I mean, like, what are some of the things you've done or you're a water survival instructor? So that means you've taught people how to survive, but probably also made them very uncomfortable along yeah. the way. Uh, water survival course was probably one of the hardest things I did in, in the Marine Corps. It's uh, not far off from like top tier aquatic training, which would be like scuba training or stuff like that. Uh, but it was three weeks of just pure hell, um, literally getting drown proofed and, and pulled underwater by the instructors. And you, know, you have camis and boots and pack and rifle and a helmet on. You're at the bottom of a pool and you're waiting on your peer to rescue you to, so he can practice his um, kind of rescue techniques and things like that. But um, it just kind of taught me that like you can't be um single faceted and in, in when you want to be multifaceted and, and i think that applies across but obviously um is you just have to expose yourself to different things and, and be comfortable in being uncomfortable right um it's easy to get out there and run but um even for me like i can go long durations without being in the pool uh happened during quarantine three or four months i was deep into some training that i'm doing right now for um, a boss, the Boston Frogman 5k open water swim, which is to support the Navy SEAL foundation. And I went from being pretty on track to be set for that swim in June to absolutely back to scratch on that come time the pools open back up. So for me, it was a matter of like, well, you know what to do. It's just get the repetitions in, get the volume in. And, and for me, it was just complimentary to what I do in the gym with the barbell, gymnastics stuff in the bar, the rings, you know, cardio stuff on the track. Um, and it's just one piece of just adding to my kind of inventory of things that I can rely on to just be a, a more well-rounded physical kind of human being. So. So would you say all of that training, are there times in your, in your working out now and your training now that you can look back on that? You know, for me, it's like growing up wrestling and competing in jujitsu in the middle of a workout, you're like, all right, I'm not being choked. Yep. You know, I, I'm controlling when I move this thing. Is it, is there a similar mindset? Like, okay, this is easy compared to what I've done. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, some of the stuff that I did in the Marine Corps, you know, they put you in a simulated, um, Humvee in a body of water, like a pool and they'll flip you over and you have to get out of it. Um, so it gets pretty wild. Yeah. That's pretty kind of wild <laughs> to think about. They have similar stuff for like helicopter training. If you were to hit, uh, hit water in a helicopter, they have for air crews, they have a similar training for that. But you know, when you take that into perspective, the things that I've done swimming, you know, thousands of meters with all my gear on, you know, I get in the pool, like past Saturday, I did a little fundraising piece. I swam 9,000 meters. And the whole time I'm thinking in my head, like, okay, I'm just wearing jammers. I'm good. I'm fine. Not wearing boots, not wearing pants, not wearing, don't have a rifle on my shoulder. I'm fine. Um, and it does, it allows me to kind of reset my mindset and say, you know, it could be way worse. I'm not in combat. I'm not actually in a Humvee flipped over maybe in the Euphrates river in Fallujah. It's really just a pool. I'm good. Just breathe and you're good. 
So, but uh, nine thousand meters. You, wait, that's like six miles. Yeah, almost six miles. Yeah. So I, I kind of, I kind of got myself into a situation. I'm so I'm raising money for the Navy SEAL Foundation, and I, uh, this is two Saturdays ago. I, I got out of the pool, long swim, um, and I said, you know what? I'm going to catalyze people to give me their money for the Navy SEAL Foundation. I said I'll swim five meters for every dollar donated. That turned into uh, like Wednesday night. I was at like. 5,000 meters. I was like, okay, it's going to be an interesting Saturday coming up. And then by Friday night, uh, midnight, I had 9,000 meters to swim. So I was like, okay, this is the most volume I've ever done a session. So let's just kind of go for it. Uh, just kind of bit off pieces of it and work through it over the course of a few hours at the pool. And I had a buddy show up and he swam next to me and, you know, kind of reinvigorated me. And it was, it was, uh, it was a good time, but more importantly, I raised a ton of money for the Navy SEAL Foundation. So I hit, I hit my goals and we're far beyond that. And I'm, I'm super excited to kind of do my part for that. How long did something like that take you? Uh, well, since I broke it up into pieces, uh, I was at the pool for probably five and a half, six hours um, in terms of how long I was probably swimming, maybe three and a half to four of that was swimming. So half mile pieces at, to start. And then at the end, I was down to probably like quarter mile pieces. Some pretty solid times there. Now, for me, whenever I swim, even short duration, I'm like ravenous <laughs> the rest of the day where you... Were you able to eat like Michael Phelps because of all I that ate, swimming you did yeah, that day? I ate everything um, that night. I think I ate a full pizza. I ate a full plate of pasta, big CD, and they had some meatballs, full bottle of wine, and uh, woke up hungry on Sunday still. So I ate everything again on Sunday morning. Stuffed French toast, sausage and eggs. It was, it was good. Worth it. It's almost like I'll swim for six hours in order to be able to eat. <laughs> yeah, I don't, know if that, I don't know if I'll do that again, but yeah, I could, uh, if you want to eat a lot of food and not have an impact, you just have to get in the pool and swim for four hours. Do you wake up sore after that much swimming? Because swimming, you know, is one of those things that we're always taught as like, you know, non-impact. Yeah. So did you wake um, up sore even just from repetitive movement? My shoulders were completely done. Other than that, I was pretty good. Shoulders and lats were a little bit tired. Um, I was in the gym today and I was thinking about a man. I, the gym programming had a man to come up and I was like, yeah, um, I coached. And then I was like, maybe I'll do a man to after just going through like PVC pipe pass throughs. I was like, shoulders are not ready for it. We're going to just bypass this today and go with lower body stuff. So yeah, a little bit of impact there, but for the most part, I was actually surprised at like how minimally impacted I was. Obviously if you were to do that on a run, you'd probably be sitting down for like four or five days at least or something like that. So. Oh yeah. I mean, that's sounds like the equivalent of a marathon plus, at least based on the, the time that you did it in. Yeah. So yeah, yeah that would beat you up, beat you up pretty good. So, yeah. so tell me how you make this transition. You, you enlist in the, in the Marines, you spend 13 years in active duty. Yeah. You come out, you become, I assume you, you know, you take the classes, the prerequisites necessary to be an advisor, but then at the same time, making the journey as a CrossFit gymnastics instructor, which is no easy feat to, yeah. to get on that team under, under Tucker. And by the way, have you met Tucker? Uh, I have not met Tucker. Oh, well, um, you're in for a treat. He's in the heart of Texas. So maybe Chuck will drag me down there sometime. Um, yeah, I think it's Aberd, Abilene, Abilene or Aberd. Yeah. 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 So um, yeah, during my period of uh, a time in active duty, um, I fell in love with CrossFit realized I needed to learn how to coach because I, I was decent at it. But um, at the time I was teaching someone how to deadlift and, or trying to, right. I was like, I have no idea how to teach someone. How to, I can deadlift all day, but I have no idea how to teach someone. So I, I fell in love with like the challenge of like learning how to relay my knowledge to somebody else. Um, that turned into me getting out of the Marine Corps. Um, and in the, in the time of me studying from all my credentials 
for my licenses as a financial advisor. I also had started coaching locally at a gym. Um, shortly after that, I went and took the, the at the time it was CrossFit Gymnastics uh, here in Boston. And Chuck was the lead, Chuck Bennington. And um, I stayed connected with him via DMs and went back and forth. And he kind of offered up, hey, you know, if you'd be interested in interning, if next time we're in your area, just let me know. And, and that happened uh, not long later. Um, and I, I got to uh, intern my first time under Coach Nathan Birdie, uh, which is, uh, he's a great guy. He's a great coach. And it was a really good experience for me. And the way that I understood it is, you know, there's a handful of internships that you have to do and it's all on your own dime. And it's how bad really do you want it is what it comes down to. So uh, I did a handful of seminars locally, drove for uh, six hours out of Pennsylvania for my last internship or hope, hoping it was my last internship. Uh, and Chuck was the lead for that one too. And I was uh, lucky enough to be invited onto the staff as an assistant coach. And so I think it's been about two plus years now that I've been doing that. And it's, it's absolutely been amazing for my coach development, for my professional development, for my confidence in front of um, athletes and, and gym members in terms of what it is that I'm doing. Um, but just being able to relay my, my knowledge that I have that I practice when I work out to other people in a way that they can start their journey as well. And understanding it's not a fast process, it's a slow one has been huge for me. And, um, and obviously the network that I've made throughout that um, at the kindness of Chuck and Tony and the rest of the gymnastics uh, course staff has been absolutely amazing for me on the, on the personal side, but also the professional side as well. So you now show up when Chuck or Tony or one of the other leads is, is coaching you're the number two at these seminars correct so i'd be like an assistant coach sometimes we might have multiple assistant coaches um and the the, the role of the assistant coach is you know leading warm-ups and and when we do breakout sessions answering kind of individual questions and going over things and maybe finding new ways or cues that these uh attendees can use um, a lot of demoing over the weekend so you know as Ch chuck or tony or one of the leads might work through it they're explaining it we're up there demoing as the assistant coaches. So uh, it's a long weekend. You feel pretty beat up. I'm sure it's similar to the, uh, the L1, L2 experience that you guys have on staff as well. But uh, it's a lot of work, but it's extremely rewarding, as you know, at finishing up those seminars, making those personal connections. Just, and, and you always feel like you grow a little bit um, come Sunday night. So with, with that, you know, one of the things Chuck mentioned is there's been a lot of revamping going on for the gymnastics seminar is – how has that impacted you? And obviously with the quarantine, there just were less seminars going on. All right. Sure. Were you a big part of the, the revamping where he said it's a lot of less touching, more self-spotting, you know, all. Yeah. I, th I think well, I, was, I wasn't a huge part of it. That was kind of a, a, lot, a lot of that sat with Chuck and Tony and some of the other lead, lead, lead coaches. But um, I had my first seminar coming up uh, post quarantine here in a few weeks. Uh, I'll be flying out to Montana. Um, and I don't think it's um, it's maybe a little bit of a curveball for for the coaches, but I I think it's all stuff that we're comfortable with because the way that I have to teach when I teach like gymnastics at my gym, it's not what I would teach at the seminar, right? There's a lot less spotting. People are just kind of a little hesitant to spot in general, so this is actually a really good thing I think when you look at. It. I know Chuck talked about this last a few weeks ago. Um, learning how to actually just get through some of these pieces self-spotted is a is a great tool in of itself. I think it'll start to allow us to explore ways to be maximally efficient during the course of a Saturday Sunday seminar at these at these courses. Well, I mean, I always love the gymnastics course and the coaching and the spotting, but it's nice also even though it wasn't necessarily at the time you wanted to 
for the team to say, hey, we're going to learn how to do this individually because that's a lot of what you need to do at the box anyway. It's, Absolutely. You know, especially this time, right? So yep. clearly impacted by the pandemic there. How has it impacted your financial career? Well, um, I think if, if you uh, had, had been watching, you know, the market news, March, April, um, a lot of people were just, you know, freaking out. There was a huge sell-off. The market was down 33, 34%, which is very, very wild. Um, it's, it's hard to deal that. So I, I was extremely busy. So my coaching obviously shut off. Everyone's coaching shut off for a month there, but I was able to actually focus on my career. Uh, during that period, um, I kind of attributed a lot to, I started my career in the Marine Corps. Um, and very soon after that, I found myself in Fallujah um, in combat. And I, I attribute this kind of situation the same um, as a financial advisor. Very early on in my career, I found myself in probably one of the worst spots, I hope, that we'll be in, in terms of market volatility um, for my entire career. Being the market being down 30% doesn't happen all the time. Um, sometimes it only happens once or twice, even that in an advisor's career. So it was kind of trial by fire for me, um, but it allowed me to kind of fall back and make sure uh, my fundamentals were rooted in, in how I do business, how I operate, how I, I manage people's money, how I deal with my clients. And a, a lot of it came down to behavioral investing uh, or behavioral advice at that point. It wasn't a matter of like, how are we spending our dollars and, and how are we say, kind, of, kind of keeping our dollars safe? Sure, that was a part of it, but a lot of it was, um, and you could see 50 plus um, age demographic was pretty concerned about like, what, what is this doing to my retirement? My account just fell off 20, 30%. I need those money, those dollars and that money to survive for my retirement. Those that are already 70 years old, moderate, already retired, don't have any more income coming in. Now it's time to kind of look at, did we set their portfolio up enough to be resilient, but also maintain their need for cash during their retirement years, which sometimes can be very long. Yeah. My parents were freaking out. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, young people like us, like other, you know, coaches, box owners listening, potentially it's like, okay, the market's down, but we're still bringing money in. Right. I, I try to, you know, I listen a lot, actually Todd on the show is, a big time investor he's from the financial world and he's always like it comes back up you know he, you just have to ride it out when the market's down he's like buy more he's you know he's one of those guys you know yeah the, the trend is always it's going to go up you know year after year we're going to so it's a matter of like you said earlier your risk tolerance yeah were you, were you seeing a difference in the younger people you worked with were they like hey let's go in let's let's you know really dive in deeper or were they just like hey hold tight and let's ride this it out it varies I, th I think you'll find typically the younger crew is uh the younger demographics are kind of okay to be a little bit more risky um and but you'd still find younger people that are like uh i'm good let's just sit where we're at right now maybe we'll pull a little bit to cash and that's understandable um risk tolerance isn't necessarily just based on how much money you earn right now and how much money um, you have sometimes it's it's purely emotional some people can't mentally handle market volatility like that and they feel better overall if they're just like they know other cash is safe um, but surely the older demographic skews towards um, kind of buttoning up tight in, the, in those situations um, it was a good chance for us to reassess clients risk tolerance at that point because you know one client could say yeah no I want to be kind of moderately aggressive and then when things like that happen you can tell that they're not comfortable actually being moderately aggressive, maybe in their portfolio. And they were more so towards the conservative side of that kind of spectrum. Um, but it was a really good kind of opportunity for me to understand people 
um, outside of just their money, but really just their kind of emotion and mental tolerance to risk. So based on what you know, which I know is just the same as most of us, you're like a little <laughs> more of an expert, what's going to happen? It's August 11th as we're recording this. Yeah. We got an election coming up. We got the pandemic to over, overcome. What's, what's your piece of advice to those listening? Other than, <laughs> hey, reach out to Andrew if you are interested in, in a financial advisor that's a professional. But if someone's right. like, hey, I, I, I just want to know what your thoughts are on the market. What would you say? Yeah, no, um, uh, this is not investment advice, but what I'll tell you is that what we look at typically during periods like this is not a lot of people know exactly what's going to happen with the economy. So that's obviously going to have an impact on the market. The other thing that you have to consider is it's an election year and election years are always volatile. Um, I think um, given the, the, the Republican and Democratic situation, it, you know, we might see a little bit more volatility than usual. Um, I don't have a crystal ball. Um, I think the most important thing for people to consider is to go back to their financial planner, financial advisor, make sure that everything is on the same page. Your, your advisor needs to make sure that they understand you, you understand them, um, and really comes back down to your financial plan. If your financial plan was built with your financial advisor um, and you felt confident in it, it's really important to, to rely on that and not let the emotions or the news of the day take over, changing or pivoting from those, um, those plans that have already been established, but rather just kind of sitting with what you've kind of sat and discussed with your financial advisor in terms of like, hey, this is how we're gonna allocate your portfolio. This is how we're gonna budget your household income for the next 12 months. Um, those things shouldn't be changed by, you know, a headline here, a headline there. Um, yeah, there's things to obviously consider in terms of, you know, what if the market crashes again? But you can talk what ifs all day and I don't think there's any, um, any value in doing that. Um, it really, again, comes down to the financial plan and the relationship one has with their advisor is being the most important part. Being communicative with your advisor is important. And I always tell people, and I ask people, when was the last time you heard from your advisor? If you're not hearing from your advisor regularly, I think it's, uh, it's an important thing to consider. Maybe you should look around to find someone that, that does want to communicate with you. Not like you want your advisor in your ear every, every week or so, but you know, if you haven't heard from your advisor in three or six months, then are they actually your advisor? It's the same thing as... Um, as a coach, right? You don't want your coach in your ear all the time, but if your coach isn't coaching you every time you come to class, then what is it that you're paying them to do? Um, so that's kind of how I look at it. There's, there's no crystal ball to rub here, but it's really just a matter of um, if you don't have a plan, you, sh you should get an advisor and establish a plan. And if you do already have one, rely on the plan to be the kind of foundation for your path forward, no matter what happens in the headlines. It's like being in the middle of a workout. You had a plan yep. just because you're feeling a little different. Hey, maybe make some small pivots. <laughs> But, but in general, exactly. stick to the plan, break up here, you know, put it down there. So yeah. you, you have two roles, you know, advisor and coach. What's the difference? The difference um, that I find is it's a little bit, um, it's kind of easier to be a financial advisor in terms of the coaching that I do there um, because I'm asking them to relinquish a lot of things to be on my side. Um, you know, let me establish your plan. We'll talk about it to make sure it's all set. And, and if there's anything that seems weird on it. Um, but when it comes to being a coach inside of a CrossFit gym or maybe any physical spaces, uh, I'm going to give you the knowledge you need, but I can't get you where you need to be. You have to do the repetitions. You have to focus on the basics, you know, isometric, eccentric, concentric, all that stuff. Like, I can't do that for you. I can't hold you at the top of a pull-up bar until all of a sudden you now have five strict pull-ups. You're going to have to do all that stuff yourself. Um, 
similar, I guess, in the financial advisory space is I can, you know, ask you, okay, make sure you're contributing, you know, X amount of dollars to your investment account. Make sure you're budgeting this amount of dollars every single month for this. Um, and after that happens, after that routine is established, so the similarities here is once that routine is established, it becomes a little bit easier. They trust you more once they find those successes, they find that growth, right? So once that person gets that first pull up or once that person finds uh, maybe their first milestone in their financial plan is hit and it's maybe hit earlier, which is great, they get a lot more uh, trust in you and your credibility builds as a, as a coach or an advisor. Um, but the difference is being, you know, One's a little bit more hands-off than the other being like the, uh, the coaching thing. What I need you to do um, is on you. It's not on me. Um, in the financial advisory space, I find a, a lot of the uh, behind-the-scenes work is, is more so on me, me to make sure that their plan is, is being met. I'm kind of staying on their shoulder a little bit to talk in their ear to make sure that they're making the right decisions financially. More like a Yoda, kind of just yeah, whispering exactly. in versus, well, there's a Yoda when he's training Luke Skywalker <laughs> as well. But you're, you know, more like I'm just on your shoulder, you know, coaching you versus like I'm telling you what to do in this advisory role, sure. which, which do you think people come into? So I always joke that like nutrition is one of those things where everyone is an expert. Like, you know, <laughs> I, we used to go to Thanksgiving dinner and my aunt, who's like <laughs> 70 pounds overweight, was giving out nutrition advice, you know, <laughs> um, which, which one of these avenues do people come into as more of a quote-unquote expert finance or fitness and um and and which and how do you make them realize hey you're dumb i'm the professional Just that's actually a really good, that's a really good question um i don't know if i have a clear answer on it because i find it in both spaces you have you see it obviously in the in the crossfit gym when someone comes in there first they're new to crossfit but i when i was in, high, in college football i did power cleans i know what i'm doing i'm good yeah i know how to squat my high school gym yeah. you know coach <laughs> told me to look up you know don't go below exactly. parallel it's bad for your knees that type of stuff exactly so you have that and now you have to break bad habits but i don't think it's that much different than the financial advisory space where uh, maybe you have an individual that's like, hey, I had a, I had my own investment account and I used to, it was self-directed and I had it through Schwab and, and I would just simply, you know, I would invest in this, that, the other things and some things hit and some things didn't. Um, as an invest, part of my job is, an, is, is managing someone's investments and um, quite frequently early on in relationships, I find people have um, ideas of like, hey, what about this stock? What about this stock? What about this stock? Uh, and I am quick to remind them, hey, it's, you know, it's your portfolio. So you do have you know, obviously a little bit of say in what goes on in your portfolio, but um, I manage my portfolios with discretion, meaning that I have authority to kind of get it where it needs to be and allocate it as, as I see fit. And if we've discussed this via a financial plan, I remind them, hey, you know, you know you're paying me for a certain job here. Um, let me do my job. And while your ideas might be something that we can entertain and look at, um, for the most part, if they don't align with what we discuss in the financial plan, then we should suppress those ideas as much as possible. Um, some things that come up, obviously, in the headlines, you see, you know, uh, a cure coming up for the for COVID and all of a sudden their stock jumps. Maybe it's a public company, their stock jumps. All of a sudden you get clients that are like, hey, well, what happened? Why didn't we see that? And it's like, well, nobody really saw it besides those that were inside that company, those that had the ability to kind of inside trade on that. But um, it's more so just like, let's not get so hyper focused on just that, on just that individual stock that maybe you feel like you missed because it didn't fit you fit with your plan in the first place. Um, rather, we're focusing on the long-term trajectory of your portfolio, just like in the CrossFit world. I know you really want to get this muscle up so bad, but you don't have a strict pull-up yet. So let's focus on the long-term trajectory of 
let's get those five strict pull-ups some six strict pull-ups and now we'll start talking about the beat swing and how that applies to using that raw strength with momentum so you can actually get yourself up and over the bar up and over the rings um, in a healthier way so i don't feel like your shoulders are going to fall off in the middle of the open um, and, and to me i find a lot of similarities in, in that regard and it's 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 the long-term trajectory that i have to constantly kind of reset someone's mind towards yeah and that you know you, you see that in all all areas of coaching everybody wants results yesterday yep 100 so hindsight being 2020 what are a handful of stocks you may have picked up before the pandemic knowing what went down yeah i mean you look at you can look at companies like zoom and any i mean a lot of cloud companies and cloud security companies in the tech space um you looked at and if you were looking at the markets over the last few months, technology sector as, as a large has kind of carried the market. So the markets have gotten, they got beat up obviously early on, um, but you, in terms of year to date performance, it's not so bad. The NASDAQ is full of technology stocks. Um, and that's why you see the, the NASDAQ has done pretty well because tech stocks have carried things. Um, that could be quite cyclical though. Um, we're kind of starting to see that now, but it's really just a matter of, um, again, sticking to the plan. Look, hindsight is, is the worst thing. When, when I deal with clients, hindsight is absolutely um, just a conversation killer because we're not here for yesterday. You already missed yesterday's price, um, but we're also not here to day trade either. And I, and I remind my clients of that. We're not here to, so we're not gonna buy, we're not gonna, unfortunately, I'm not gonna be able to buy at the absolute bottom and sell at the absolute top. Nobody has that crystal ball. You don't know when you're at the top until it's behind you. Um, and you also don't know when you're at the bottom until it's behind you. Um, so for me, it's really a matter of kind of sticking again to that plan and reminding them like, you know, while you did feel like you missed out on zoom, just realize your portfolio as, as actually done pretty well. And we're still on track with your plan to retire in five years or 10 years or whatever it might be, or we're on track for you guys to get that down payment on your house, um, establish so you guys can buy your first home in two years, right? So there's a lot of different things and taking like the individual day to day, like, oh my, this, this stock went up 5% today. It's like, okay, that's fine. You're still buying a house in two years. So if that stock goes down 5% tomorrow, 5% growth today doesn't mean anything. So we're kind of looking big picture. Yeah, it's, I totally understand what you're saying. And then we always look back and like, I should have seen Zoom. Yeah. I should have seen Peloton. I should have seen it. If, if CrossFit went public, would you buy it? Uh, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure I would. I'm not sure. First of all, there'd be value in, in CrossFit going public, but at the same time, uh, I'm, I'm not really, um, the type of investor where I, I buy things cause I recognize the name or buy things because I, um, I practice with their product. Um, so it, it would have to be, uh, you know, pretty influential other than that. Um, as, as it kind of goes on, I know you, you and Chuck also and tongue in cheek, uh, he brought up, you know, imagine investing $10,000 when a, uh, online bookstore went public when talking about Amazon and that's just kind of a funny ride. Everybody missed that. Right. But I think if you look at like, it's a great example of trajectory. When you look at Amazon and the big picture from when it IPO would years later, it didn't do a whole lot. And if you were an investor that hung on from the initial public offering, that means that you went through a whole lot of rough patches and you were very resilient in your portfolio to not want to sell it because an online bookstore not doing so well for me and for most people, I think they'd be like, oh, I'm going to cut my losses and move on to something else. If you held on, you're probably riding around listening to this podcast in a yacht or something of the sort. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, we have a huge yacht demographic. So probably... I know it's CrossFit space, tons of money. <laughs> <laughs> They're all going, that's all Amazon money. Yeah. That, that's interesting. Cause I know for me, I mean, I don't really do a whole lot of, like you said, like trading myself and whatnot, but 
it's interesting to think, do you buy stocks that are companies you support? You go to Starbucks every day, do you buy Starbucks? Do you shop on Amazon regularly? Should you buy Amazon? You do CrossFit. Should you support it? Where, where do you draw the line there? If you're, if you're using a product like that regularly, you obviously believe in it and you obviously, you know, use it. So then why wouldn't you, what would be some signs to not, you know, CrossFit obviously is super important to you. Sure. What would be some signs to you to say, okay, I love this thing, but I'm not going to pay, you know, $12 right. a share or whatever it right. is. So there's definitely, I mean, there, there's, there's millions of people out there that invest based off of what they like as products. There's also millions of people out there that, invest basically off the fundamentals only of the company. Basically, how is the company being ran? Are they making money? Um, are they bringing in revenue every single month? If they're not, a lot of times you'll find that people aren't interested in that. So that, that would be a huge indicator. And that's usually the first and, and primary thing one would look at when investing is the fundamentals of a company, right? Looking at their balance sheet, looking at their profit loss statement, things like that. Um, further on from that, you know, some investment advisors uh, or investment managers will look even further into the technical aspect of it. Um, at the end of the day, the way that we kind of practice it at my firm is one of the things that we're looking at is essentially just the supply and demand. Um, and that's really all the stock market is, is supply and demand. If there's more people selling and want to buy, you know, the price changes and, and vice versa. And so that's, that's also something that um, some people consider when they invest. But um, my opinion, uh, not always is the best to just simply because you practice um, or purchase a product of a public company, is that necessarily the best reason to buy something? There's plenty of companies out there that, you know, questionable in terms of if they're worth investing in, and, and people will argue like Lyft and Uber are one of those things, right? And people talk about how much money they're actually losing year over year. Um, but some people are okay because they feel like, hey, I use Uber a lot. I'm, I'm invested in the company. Same thing you could probably say for CrossFit. If everyone, you know, I, I do CrossFit all the time. I support my local affiliate. Um, but there's a lot of complexities that go into it. And it's really a matter of something I would definitely leave up to, in my opinion, a, pro a professional to kind of guide you through those purchases and sales of individual stocks or maybe exchange traded funds. But um, at the end of the day, you're kind of free to do what you want with your money. I, I think it is um, very prudent to make sure that what you are doing with your money uh, is well investigated, just like anything, right? I, you know, people walk into the CrossFit gym because they want to get fit. Um, some people walk in the CrossFit gym because they know everything about it and they're like, this is, this is, fits me perfectly. Um, it's also probably a reason why people stay away from CrossFit because it doesn't fit them perfectly, or maybe they've had a bad experience or someone knows someone that has, but, um, I think it comes down to the fundamentals, um, and just relying on your professional network and, and hopefully, you know, you have an advisor if you are looking through, uh, or to invest in, in things yourself. Yeah. Imagine if CrossFit were public and you had invested three months ago, it would have been a very scary ride for a little while. Yeah. We'll just hold on tight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You would have had to hold on to get through that rough patch. Well, you Absolutely. mentioned, you know, I, I, you know, I'm a huge fan of anything in life, finding a coach slash yep. advisor. So before we do sign off where, you know, you, you've gotten, um, the, what should I say? Two, two people I highly respect have, have spoken very highly of you. So if listeners are interested, where, where can they find out? I do want to ask you a couple more questions, but yeah, yeah. in case people tune out, where can they find you if they're looking for a financial advisor? So I, uh, I'm, I'm pretty open. My um, Drew Zaro is my Instagram handle. And inside of there, um, I have a link where you can set up a 15 minute console with me. That's free of charge. And that's really just for me to kind of 
ask questions about you for you to ask questions about me and to see if it's a general fit. Um, I tell people that I don't want to work with people that don't want to work with me. It needs to be a good relationship, a harmonious relationship. Um, and then usually in those 15 minutes, we can kind of figure that out. Um, that's usually followed with like a, a regular uh, intro one hour session with me that we'll go over in more detail. Um, Granite-wealth.com is our website that we're currently revamping. So that'll probably be relaunched here soon. Um, best way to kind of get a hold of me though is probably my, uh, my DMs on Instagram. Um, again, at Drew Zaro or granite-wealth.com. I'm uh, more than happy to get you my professional email from that point on um, and be more than happy to kind of set um, time's up to kind of just again, again, work through free consults to see if it makes sense for us to work together. You might be working with an advisor already. And I might tell you, just stick with them. They're doing a great job. You know what I mean? I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, no, that's great. I mean, one people, I, I think the CrossFit space and fitness space in general tends to be a little younger, you know, and by younger, I'm probably saying under 40 at this point. Sure. And, and I think it's something that's overlooked by a lot of those people. I mean, I've invested since, since I was out of college, even when I wasn't making any money, you know, those that read my book know I was living in a, in a destitute life basically, but I was always like, you got to put money aside. I was in the fitness world and I was like, there's no retirement. Sure. So what would be maybe one or two pieces of advice you would give to those people that are like, I'm a coach, yep. you know, making 20, $30 an hour. Maybe it's a part-time job. Maybe it's in addition to, you know, a standard job, but what, what would be one piece of advice you would blanketly give? I know everyone's a little yeah. bit different. Um, I think in general is you need to establish um, a, a monthly budget. Part of that monthly budget has to be you considering investing in your future self, your 65-year-old self that cannot coach anymore because you physically are not able to. Um, and for everyone, that's going to be different. You know, if you're, if you're a coach and you're working, you know, 10 to 20 hours a week, technically part-time, and you're bringing in, we'll say, I don't know, $400. Maybe that for you every single week is $10 a week. Maybe it's $20 a week. Maybe it's $100 a week because you're doing fine. Maybe you have a job elsewhere. You need to allocate a certain percentage of that to your future self. And I think that's super important and easy to overlook. Um, also understandable that if you're younger and you're coaching and you're kind of making money wherever you can, it's easy to get caught up in the day-to-day -day bills, um, but kind of assessing what your expenses look like. Do you need the new car? Do you need this? Do you need that? Um, and did you, before you purchase those things, invest in your 65-year-old self before you did it, allocating that money to, you know, wherever it is. You don't necessarily need to have an advisor, but you need to have a plan and you can very easily set up a, maybe a one-time consult with an advisor, get you on track so you know what you need to do open your own investment account elsewhere um, and simply invest in things that are going to grow over time. Hopefully, whether it's a mutual fund or exchange traded fund is exchange traded funds are a great way to expose yourself to a wide variety of stocks by purchasing one thing. Essentially it's a basket of stocks. Um, that's one way to look at it. Um, but really I think the most important thing to walk away with is you have to take a certain amount of dollars from your paycheck every single week and put it towards your future self and just consider that you won't be able to make money at some point and you're, relying on your past self to have made that money for you. It's almost like stretching or mobility. 100%. Right? You need to <laughs> really. invest in your future self. You, yep. you may be able to hit crazy volume of back squats and deadlifts and cleans and snatches right now, but at 65, you're going to be pretty glad you stretched at the end of every session. Yeah, I can guarantee you that if you drop a piece of mail at the end of your driver when you're 75, you're not going to care if you could back squat 400 at one point. You're just going to be hope you can reach down and touch the ground and grab that piece of mail. Without no breaking. different, right? No different than if you were making money and you put it into a thousand dollar a month lease. Yeah. At 30 years old, when you're 70, 
and you know you're like man i wish i could put food on my table and didn't have to you know go work at at walmart exactly you, you would have been a little happier so there's there's really you know with with any type of coaching or advisory role there's so many similarities and it's i, I probably know different than fitness or nutrition you're would you say that really what you're doing is helping people's mindset more than anything 100% 100% you know what you're um, doing leave it to the expert. I'm going to put your money in these stocks or these funds and based on what you're telling me, but you need to wrap your mind around carbs aren't bad for you. You need to wrap your mind around, you don't need to train seven days a week and you need to wrap your mind around this money is over here. It's going to grow slowly over time and you can't look at it every day. Sure. Um, Is that right? Did I, I, did I just, do you want me to work for, when you look at all of that, yeah, no, it, it, it's exactly that. It, when you look at all that, all that is, is you're, all of those things you're talking about compounding, right? I invest $5 today. I assume if I put it in the right spot in 50 years, it's not worth $5 anymore. It's worth a little bit more than that. Um, the same thing with all that nutrition, right? You not having that one soda today and then repeating that every single day for 50 years puts you in a better spot than you having one soda a day, right? That 1% growth, uh, what you're looking for over time, that compounding effect puts you in a better long-term spot than you might have been if you went the other direction with it. I think that's the most important takeaway of all this is, is understanding nutrition, fitness, and, and finance. They're all kind of hand in hand in terms of how you're framing your mindset. Um, and it's not for the short term. You know, nothing, nothing good typically happens fast. Um, sometimes it does if you're lucky, but uh, for the most part, you have to work for it. And it's never the sexy things. It's never the fun things. It's never the big explosive things. It's the tiny kind of small wickets that you hit day to day building good habits, stacking on those habits every single time that you can with other better habits. Which last question, which has helped more your financial career on your CrossFit coaching or your CrossFit coaching on your financial career? My CrossFit coaching, my fitness coaching on my financial career. Um, It's given me a lot of confidence to know that I know what I'm talking about. I can stand in front of people despite their age demographic, um, despite their experience and let them know for sure. I, I know more than you. Um, and I can put you where it is that you say you want to be. I know what your goals are. As long as you tell me what your goals are, um, I can figure out what I know and what I don't know from there. And then I can establish a plan to figure it out. If there's anything that I lack in terms of educational um, knowledge, I can go get it or I can find someone that does. Um, so if someone comes up to me and, and they, you know, they want to know how it is that they can be an endurance runner. Well, I can't tell you that because I'm not an endurance runner, but I guarantee you that I can do some research or I can find someone that can. But being able to know that, confidently get in front of someone and say, hey, here's what the plan is. Maybe we'll bring in a third party. But in the financial space, um, having clients that are in their 20s and having clients that are in their 80s, um, not even close to the same kind of risk tolerance, not even close to the same lifestyle that they're living. But I can still be on the phone, be on a Zoom call, be face to face with them and let them know, here's your plan. This is what we established. These are your goals. This is where we're at on that, uh, whether we're on track or not. And here's how we can kind of focus on making sure that we stay where we need to be. Uh, but the, the fitness journey that I've taken and the coaching journey that I've taken has given me that confidence, I feel like, to make sure that I take age and all the other pieces out of it uh, and really just focus on, you know, I'm the expert um, and, and I'm building my expertise every day as much as I can in, in, in all capacities. And it comes down to simply just relying on um, the confidence that I have to be in front of people and, and kind of relaying that knowledge that I have and, and letting my expertise um, and my network help those clients get to where they need to be. Yeah. And I think you are an expert and you could probably handle any age 
but it's nice. You know, our listeners are around the same demographic as you. Sure. I assume you're like mid thirties. Yeah. They have nailed it. Um, and yeah. I think it's important. It's like, it's like anything. An 80 year old can teach you CrossFit. You know, some of the best coach Bergner is one of the best CrossFit coaches in the world. No different than Jeff Tucker is, you know, they probably, I can probably snatch more than coach Bergner at this time, you know, <laughs> albeit not much. And, but it's really nice to always have someone that's kind of in the same shoes and, and, and area of life as you. And I yep. think if someone's listening, I hope this is a wake up call to some extent for, for people listening. If you're a coach or you're a box owner, you need to be considering this. You know, there, there's no, you know, 401k at your local box, probably there's, you know, there, there's, there's not a lot of stuff you should be doing. And I don't want to be the old guy at the gym with a string tank top and a fanny pack and Zubass pants one day, which used to be my goal. And now it's my goal not to be that guy. But the only reason I've gotten there is, is because, like I said, I was smart. My, you know, my mentor and my financial advisor was one of my very first CrossFit coaches. He, you know, we go back a long time, but if you're listening to this, Drew is, Drew is in the thick of it. And I think he can understand you. And I think it'd be worth reaching out for that 15 minute call. Hey, worst case, Maybe you get a little coaching advice on your pull-ups. Yeah, but... hey, we'll, we'll get you there. We'll get you strict, we'll get you strict for a Lamborghini. I don't know what your goals are, but maybe we'll get you one or the other, or both. You're going to start getting all those calls booked up, but they're going to be asking how to do a hollow hold and you know, how to do an ice cream maker or whatever. Chuck Bennett No, I think, I think it's just kind of important to consider, like, in this conversation, that there's, there's so many options for people out there, even if they feel like, you know, I'm self-employed, I work at a gym, I only work 20 hours a week. There's still options for you. It's just a matter of you have to know what those options are. If you don't understand, find an advisor. I'd be more than happy to talk with anybody about what their options are um, and also be more than happy to tell you, hey, I'm not the right fit for an advisor. Or if you want someone local, I'll help you find one. Um, to me, there's more than enough investors out there um, that need help financially that I'm not going to try to take them all. I can't take them all. So for me, it's, uh, it's a matter of how can I help people get driven towards the direction they need to. And a lot of that is simply just establishing a plan finding what works and, and thinking about their future self, which I think we do easily in, in the CrossFit space. We do that physically, um, but I don't think we do it enough financially. I love it. Anyone that has an abundance mentality like that, I think is worth hitting up. So Drew Zaro on Instagram. Don't look up Andy Zaro. That'd be a different <laughs> I don't know anything about Andy Zaro. If you Someone's going to establish that Instagram handle now. Make my, uh, <laughs> I can only... <laughs> I can only speak for Drew Zaro, but I, I highly recommend checking him out. And like I said, uh, he comes highly recommended from two people I respect. So it's been great chatting with you, Drew. Um, Absolutely, Jason. We'll see what happens if CrossFit goes public. I'm going to come back to you and ask if I should buy it. <laughs> Sounds good, man. It's been a pleasure. Thanks again for listening to Best Hour of Their Day. Take a moment. Head over to the Apple Podcast app or Spotify or Google or whatever you use and leave us a review. It really means a lot to us and it's what allows us to spread the word. Also, share this with your friends, your family, your coworkers. Tell everybody at the box to listen to Best Hour of Their Day and let us know what we can do to provide you a better experience. Do you have topics you want us to talk about, people you want us to interview? We are here for you, the community. We're here to give back, and we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Best Hour of Their Day.